It's homebrewing time again, and today we think inside the box, or bottle, or can. Yeah, the episode is about packaging, specifically as it relates to all you homebrewers out there. That's right, it's time for Homebrewing 4, Live Free and Brew Hard. So come in and have a drink. Welcome to Have a Drink, the show where you learn along with us about the glorious drink called beer. I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Fraser. I'm Christopher Walker. And I'm Casey Price. Woo! Woo! Yay. All right, guys. Yeah, it's been a it's been a whole week since we did this last. Right. Yeah, no. Well, some of it. <laughs> Ish, yes. <laughs> half, half. We did half. <clears throat> now, I think everybody had a podcast. We talk <laughs> yes that is the core of this yeah. oh okay <laughs> uh yeah so what have you guys been up to well uh today we actually went to a can release uh for a local place at listerman brewing for the release of their because the big thing we've talked about the big thing coming in this year is going to be the hazy east coast ipas and you <laughs> you they released theirs. They have a few beers themed after Beastie Boys songs, and they did uh, two of these. That's Brass Monkey and Junkie Monkey. <laughs> yeah, we, the Junkie Monkey was sold out though by the time we got there. Yeah, it was infused with mango. And correct me if I'm wrong, but when you have it was the first time they've done cans. Everything they've done before this has been bottle releases, like bombers. That's all they used to do. And they moved to cans, and they were selling them by the case. And the line wasn't that big. I mean, it was less than 200 people in line. But for the base they were selling, you could get two cases of that for the Brass Monkey. A 12-pack or a 6-pack? No, a full-on case. Like, because it was in four-packs that you were getting the cans. And then they were laid out. How many was it? It was like... A few. Quite a few per case. One of those fold-up, long, uh, narrow boxes that are, you know, okay. with like half a box a or whatever. Did, oh, sorry. More yeah, than another. I immediately but... went to long boxes, like, for comic books. But there I wish I could remember how many. But, and then on uh, the Mango one, there was one case limit per person. And then we were... A little further back than midway in line. And by the time we got up there, there were only nine cases because I had to count them as we were coming up there. I was like, holy crap. If everyone in front of us grabs their full allotment, we're not getting anything. But ever, like when the line dwindled down to the back, everyone was just kind of courteous and just grabbing like a couple packs of cans. So everyone was going to get something. 
but everyone That's else good in, because yeah, everyone else in front of us just cleaned it, out the mango. Mm. Oh, but we cracked one of those and it was delicious, absolutely amazing. And we have to see if I can try to find some of that. Oh, uh, we've got you some. Don't 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 you worry. <laughs> okay, good. good. <laughs> we got some to spread around. Uh, so, what about you guys? Any anything interesting? Well, um, as the orcs from uh, Warcraft 1 and 2 said, work, work, work. Um, a lot of work. But I do get to leave tomorrow and head up to, uh, I guess, the northern part, a little bit toward the north of uh, Virginia. So along that trip, I'll be turning a work trip into a little bit of a beer excursion as well. And I'll try to stop by uh, uh, Devil's Backbone mm. and stop by their brew house on the way. Oh, that Vienna lager is so good. Uh-huh. You all wanted some Vienna lager, so uh, that'll be exactly where I get it from. Uh, El-, El Coco's not uh, released yet, right? Not yet. Well, I haven't seen it yet. We need to check. Yeah. It's, it's about three weeks Because they'll, they'll distribute it into to Virginia, I think. Oh, I need to check today. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, show canceled. We have, yep. we show have canceled. Going to Virginia. Bye. El Coco. Just reminds no, the El Coco thing has always reminded me of uh, Hot Tub Time Machine. Like, oh, the Great White Buffalo. Great White Buffalo. Because <laughs> it's just always like whispered El Coco. <laughs> El Coco. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, yeah, it's been about the same for me. Just, just work. I've been getting over uh, another cold, so not been doing a whole lot of drinking. Yeah. Uh, yeah, t- tomorrow is my day off, and that was the day I was like, "All right, liquor store ho." <laughs> but so far, no. Uh, unless you count uh, doing doing a dangerous number of Nyquil shots, no. <laughs> right. Come on, you got to mix things yeah. up. I'm I'm taking on the new approach when I get sick. Let's raise that blood alcohol level to the point that nothing else can survive except for me because my body is so used to it. <laughs> Before we move on, I think we have a couple of announcements we'd like to kind of mention real quick. Yes, yes we do. Okay, yeah, we just want to remind um, all of of our listeners, I think we mentioned this like once, uh, or or maybe twice on some of the recent episodes, Um, we have a swag bag of fun little brewery stuff to give away, like um, stickers, coasters, coasters. there's a there's quite a few things in there Some and pins. plus the bag itself is actually like a rogue bag um mm. and that is going to be for a random uh writer of an itunes review for our show um if you want to give us like five stars that'd be great um but more importantly if you write a review in the manner of the subject being your least favorite beer and the body of the review being the description of your favorite beer so we're talking Miller High Life is the is the subject, and the body reads something like, "the This is the best barrel aged rich milk stout I've ever had," something along those lines. Yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to have a few of these and like just just take some time uh, at the end of some episodes and like read them out loud. Oh, definitely. Yes, yes. yes we will read these submissions if they ever come in. <laughs> yeah, as of right now, we, we, uh, we haven't mentioned it that much, but so we want to make sure that um, you guys are aware of. Uh, that we are still going to be doing this. So, yeah. Also, uh, we've got 
sort of a new format coming up. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, nothing terrifying about that. <laughs> no, yeah. no, nothing at all. We've been teasing uh, recently on social media about uh, an announcement incoming. And if you see it on the social media before you hear it here, then you're spoiled. But uh, we're going to start doing video streaming uh, on DiamondClub.tv. Uh, we'll be going live uh, Sundays. It'll be every other Sunday starting January 29th uh, at, I believe... We're going to shoot for six. Six. If anything yeah. changes detail-wise, we will let everybody know. So, yeah. yeah, after the New Year's Eve streamathon, we had such a positive uh, reaction and feedback to that that we've decided to make it a permanent thing. Right, and... Uh... You know, we'll be we'll be on there. Basically, there'll be something coming out of us uh, once a week now. Yes. So for those of you who have not liked the fact that we're every other week, well, now you're going to be able to get your every week fix. It won't be in straight podcast format all the time. Uh, the for exact format for the video stream is still kind of being discussed, but it is going to be a lot looser, not quite as educational, and probably full of cursing. <laughs> Yeah, that, that one's that one would get an explicit label. Yeah, there will probably be an explicit label. I think we're gonna try and maybe get uh, the videos up on YouTube and maybe a video stream for the a podcast thing, so you could find them. Yeah, they're gonna be in a separate feed, so yeah, uh, a, we'll, we'll share that with everybody too. On the YouTubes. On yes. the YouTubes. Uh, but yeah, so a lot of a lot of stuff happening for us. So things coming up, uh, a lot of sacrificing of our social lives. Man, <laughs> like I didn't have existed. one to start with. It's <laughs> fine. I mean, like our social lives existed outside the four of us hardly anyways. Yeah, that's, that's fair. All, All right. right. Well, with that, let's move into some news. <laughs> Give you a preemptive burp. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, like, you should have timed that just a little bit closer yeah. to the... You, you don't hold them back. When they come, they come. That's just that's just how it works. So that's our first... Said. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> come on, guys. I'm a child and I can't help it. <laughs> our first news story isn't quite a news story, but it's a good thing to cover at the beginning of the year. Uh, we've got uh, the tw 12 beer festivals you have to attend in 2017. Oh, yeah. We've yeah. already got one approaching in Cincinnati that's a pretty big one, the Winter Beer oh. Fest. Oh, Oh, God. <laughs> we will be there with possible alcohol poisoning. You can only drink so many, like, massive Russian Imperial Stouts before you're just collapsed in the corner. I will be the well, DD. especially since now the Ohio laws have changed and you can have over 12%. Yeah, that's that's what's crazy. It makes me look back and go, wait, we didn't have anything over 12% while we were there, and I was that drunk. Oh, huh? everything was nuts. ahead of time, guys. Like, Thankfully, there will up. be food, yeah. All right. Um, uh, the article starts off, there are plenty of ways to try new beers. You can go to a bar and sample what's on tap or host a beer share with some friends. But nothing will give you the sheer variety and volume of uh, new beer like attending one of the many beer festivals in the U.S. Whether it's in a convention center, city plaza, or a festival in the great outdoors, the experience of gathering with hundreds of other craft beer lovers and some of the most decorated breweries and brewers in the country is what keeps us coming back for more. Well, the number of Look, festivals... I would say I'm going to need, to be in the great outdoors, I'm going to need like four gallons of sunblock <laughs> and an umbrella and a hat. 
Yes. Yeah, as was uh, experienced with some of us uh, recently to close out uh, camping season, a hiking in beer isn't really all that uh, economical. <laughs> it's kind of a pain in the ass. <laughs> well. You pick you know. your beers wisely, and yeah. you only have, like, you bring enough for everyone to maybe have one a night. <sighs> all right, so. All right, while the number of festivals uh, grows almost at the same rate as the number of breweries in this country, we've managed to narrow the field down to 12 essential festivals that you should have on your radar for 2017. And these are, like, ranging all over. It's not like, yeah, it's all over the country. You can probably try to find one of these. Oh, yeah, uh, there's going to definitely be one of these in your neck of the woods, except, I think, for us, which I don't think there's any of these in, well... Oh, yeah, there's one. No, there's one. There's one that's close-ish. Closer to me than, than you guys, but... Hmm. Oh, I was going to say... We'll, we'll get to them. We'll get to them. Yeah. We'll get there. Jumping, we'll in, get jumping there. ahead. Uh, let's start this off with Rate Beer Best. This is uh, in California in January. Uh, in 2002, Rate Beer Best was unintentionally created using solely the reviews that have been compiled on the company's website. While Rate Beer had attempted to create festivals in the past, it wasn't until last year... That Rate Beer decided to truly go big by combining their awards program with the Beer Festival in Santa Rosa, California. Uh, while so, what? I was—I don't think we need to read every single description. Um, like massive description. There's, some of these are like paragraphs long. <laughs> yeah, that is true. But you know, this is Rate Beer. I didn't know they, they had a festival. Them a lot. No, no, no. Yeah. I don't. I'm not. I'm just saying. Like this. This is kind of a kind of a deal. Kind of a big deal. <laughs> Uh, it it is a resource uh, you know I use a lot uh, when I'm trying to decide on uh, on what to pick up sometimes, and them having a festival just makes me kind of go oh, what could they have? Yeah, if except only... it makes me go oh, it's in California, so I won't know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, kind of out of our reach, but probably not for all of you. And next, uh, kind of keeping in theme with rate beer. Oh yeah, but real quick. You may get uh, there will be pours at the the Rake Beer Festival from places such as Cantillon and uh, Three Fontenin. Oh, okay. So Cantillon and Dre Fontaine. Dre Fontaine. Sorry, I would I never have said that. I'm in trying to read like as that. I'm looking at it. <laughs> <laughs> never I, uh, seen those actually written. Uh, well, I've seen Cant. Uh, Cant- uh, I've seen one of them written out, but Dre Fontaine, I've never seen. No, <laughs> I got nothing. Never on that. seen in text. Both uh, really great Belgian uh, brewers doing some sour stuff. Yeah, the, they kind of have it in there. They call the call the uh, right beer best the Belgian experience. That'd be mm. awesome if that was set up at every festival. Like that should be a thing. Yeah. Now I want waffles. <laughs> so next right? up, I mean, if Great Beer has a festival, then the next one has to be Beer <laughs> Advocates Festival, oh, right? Yeah. Right. You can't have one without so, the other. When it comes to uh, online rating systems for beer, those are the two big dogs. Um, theirs takes place in February and December because it's bi-coastal. You've got uh, the one that's been going on in Boston since 2004, and then they stepped up and started to go some West Coast love and go uh, with uh, Los Angeles for this December in 2017. Ooh. Both still a little far for us. Just a shade. Just yeah. a bit. But, I mean, Boston's not... Boston's more reasonable, yeah. Boston's not too insane of a drive, right, Casey? 
Uh, well, not on caffeine pills. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, that one of the key things about that festival is some of the brews were or a lot of the brews were actually made for that festival and poured first there. So that's a, you know, get it there only type event. Mm. All right. Next up, we have uh, one that happens in February down in Florida, Wakefest. Now, when I looked over this one, it's like the big bold. Well, it's blue. Uh, first brewery on the list kind of makes you just be like, I'm all in. Let's go. <laughs> Why aren't we there right now? Well, it's like last year we learned Cigar City wasn't the only brewery in Florida hosting a killer festival. Mm. And that's a little misleading when you're just kind of glancing. I was like, oh, Cigar City. But Jay Wakefield Brewing introduced us to their a- inaugural anniversary event, Wakefest. So, I yeah. I've heard of that. They had that last year, so they'll be keeping keeping that going. But the they don't have a whole lot about what they had in the, the stuff. But they do have close to ninety breweries scheduled to attend, from both the U.S. and Europe. Well, Toppling Goliath is on that list. Trillium, and then a Cantillon again. So these are these are more of those hard to find. You know, you only get it by knowing somebody who knows somebody brews. Huh. Yeah. Or you know, you do some things you're not proud of in the back That's... of a. Back. <laughs> Continue there, please. (laughs) You know, I'm getting a little too much into specifics. It's fine. You don't need to know what you have to do in the back of someone's Ford Explorer. Hmm. All right, Brittany, you're up next. General admission tickets, and it guarantees a bottle of Jay Wake's Anniversary Imperial Stout, a commemorative glass, and unlimited pours from beers in the general general admission area. Oh, unlimited pours. That's that's. You know what? No matter. Okay, maybe not. No matter the price, but you know. That could be a very, very affordable experience, let's say. 90 breweries, too. Um, yeah, $75 ticket for that one. That's not too bad. $50 if you don't want to see the bottle. Yeah. And you get a bottle, a commemorative glass, and unlimited pours from a select number of breweries, I assume. So yeah. Winter Beer Fest this year is $55 for mm. a drinking ticket, and you get uh-huh. uh, 25 pours. Yeah, that's about right. What's the next festival we need to be on the lookout for down oh, in yeah. Florida? I'm going to say this wrong. Uh, Hunapu? Is that I, how you say that? I think that's about as close as... Okay. Uh, so, Hunapu's Day, <laughs> which is in March, uh, named after Cigar City's renowned spiced stout. Uh, this bucket, bucket list beer festival has continued to grow since 2010. They thought... 2014 would be the death of this great event because it was plagued with counterfeit tickets. Oh. Um, but then the video went viral in the beer community and the festival goers chanting Cigar City sucks. Wow. Um, and then the, they run out... Um, sorry. Then Cigar City made sure t- uh, to make everything right with festival goers that missed out and eventually declared Huna Day would be back in 2015. So they kind of took a, a bit of a break, it looks like. Um, yeah, but uh, no, it looks like they had a bad year in 2014 mm. and then made uh, up for it the next. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, but so they got to sample over 400 beers from the 150 breweries that were invited to join the event from around the globe. Oh, so, Lord. Yeah, that number's even crazier. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is the one that they were judging the other one by. Yeah. Right, right. That's true. Right. <laughs> uh, it's one I want to go see. I have a. Okay, one Cigar City made El Coco. Mm, right the, the the beer you know my my unicorn of beer <laughs> mm-hmm. uh 
However, they've also have some other beers that I've had that are just like, oh, that's really nice. That brown ale of theirs, yeah. Uh, so th- this gets this makes me excited. Like, I kind of want to go try to find get down to this some point. Yeah, and Florida's not that bad of drive at all, really. I mean, compared to you know Boston. <laughs> uh, Boston's a shorter drive, I think, isn't it? Oh, is yeah, it? Boston's shorter, but uh, oh. well, you yeah. know what's even... yeah, at least you're getting warmer. <laughs> well, yeah. you know what's even closer for us. I was going to say, this is yours, sweetie. <laughs> Indiana for Dark Lord Day, which I am dying to go to, and we have a bunch of friends that went last year, and it's killing me because it's 200 bucks a ticket. Mm. Oh, good boy. <sighs> but since 2004, the last Saturday in April has been reserved for Dark Lord Day. This year, the festival has moved to May 13th. Still, typically three Floyds hijinks will ensue. This uh, is the most metal yeah. picture they have for their... Oh, yeah. It looks fantastic. Well, all their beers are done by uh, heavy metal album artists <laughs> like all right. the, all the labels uh one of the most unique festivals out there dark lord day is a hybrid metal food and most importantly beer celebrating the beer that the festival is named after last let's year let's be clear when we say metal we mean the music category <laughs> we're not eating steel yum and by the music category we predominantly mean death metal yeah like yeah. they aren't dabbling in anything you're going to be hearing on the radio <laughs> No. It's not Slipknot or something. It's Skeleton Witch and Mastodon and <laughs> big, loud bands. Uh, last year, Three Floyds instituted a big change in the festival format, going from an a la carte to all-inclusive. While tickets are obviously pricier, they include not only four bottles of their Dark Lord Stout and $40 for food and drinks, but a guaranteed Dark Lord variant. Uh, no longer did attendees need to hope they had the golden ticket to purchase a variant, now they just need to hope they purchased a ticket early enough to be able <laughs> to be in one of the first groups to snag that vanilla bean before it runs out. Or French uh-huh. Vanilla Militia in last year's case. Good lord. Let's hope we see the same for 2017. Yeah. I was actually giving it kind of a lot of flack. I was like, 200 bucks for all that? For, you know, for everything you're getting. I was like, it seems all right. I was like, 200's pretty high. And then... We went to what's quickly becoming a local Dark Lord Day down at Bracton. You guys are sick of hearing about them, but they do their big Imperial Stout release day. And it was, by the end of the day, I realized I had spent $200 on (laughs) drinks and food and the beers. So I was like, you know, just giving them that money up front and not having to worry about hauling it around and paying it the rest of the day. What am I a little convenient? Hmm. Uh, I love the title of the next one because it it does not sound like a beer festival. It's the the Firestone Walker Invitational Beer Festival. (laughs) You're playing golf or tennis or something instead of drinking beer. You know, anytime you use the word Firestone in there, I'm already thinking like a car race. So yeah, yeah. But then you say Invitational. Invitational, yeah. And now you're in a different category. What? They're racing golf carts while they're drinking. That's. I mean, that's right? what happens when you play golf because they give you beer. Well, right. you can buy beer. That's all this is. Here's beer in a motorized vehicle. Have fun. <laughs> Woo! But yeah, uh, now in its sixth year, the Firestone Walker Invitational Beer Festival uh, offers festival goers the opportunity to mingle not only with some of the most important brewers and leaders in the craft beer movement, but also drink some of the fire uh, finest brews. Uh, you'll be hard pressed, hard pressed to find any beer that you're not going to want to try, including a special tapping from the festivals, uh, festival host every hour. Uh, 
in reality, it can make it difficult to keep up with all the uh, rare beer being tapped. It's an embarrassment of riches that requires uh, quite a bit of drinking constitution if you're going to try every one of them. Uh, if you're interested, be sure to act quickly. Uh, the last festival sold out in less than 30 seconds. Holy crap. That's insane. And it doesn't even say how many, like the other ones were listing like how, the number of breweries and, and things like that. This is just like, here, this is just a so, thing. Yeah, I'm looking at the list. There's probably like maybe 40 or 50 breweries on there, but the breweries they got are amazing. So like Wicked Weeds on there mm-hmm. and uh, Funk Works, Founders, of course, heading that way. Rare Barrel, amazing. They, they'll be serving in Sorcel this year. I wish I wish I could get out there and see that. So, yeah, this um, one's out in California, by the way. Yeah, it's, yeah, it sounds like a bunch of East Coast brewers, and some well, of them but, even hard to get on the East Coast, coming yeah. out there bringing pours of awesome beers. So the um, the ones that are currently announced for the rare beers that tap every hour, Bravo 30, uh, 5, 6, 14th anniversary. I had to do the Roman numeral math there. Uh, the Maltose Falcons and the Sticky Monkey 2016. Maltose Falcons, I'm going to guess that's probably a collaboration with their local homebrew club, which is named the Maltose Falcons. 50-50 mm. um, is going to be there. And Crooked Stave, oh. Southern Tier. Oh, Creature Comforts. That's, yeah. Still wow. got a bunch of Crooked Stave in the fridge for the next time we're all together. Because we didn't have the fortitude to get to it on New Year's <laughs> Eve. <laughs> no way. Yeah, probably not. I was like, I could have kept. No. no we, <laughs> we stopped at a certain spot for a reason. Oh yeah. So you know my feelings. You know my feelings on bells, but I just couldn't pass up this name whenever I saw it. The Traverse City Whiskey Barrel Age Coffee Consecrator Doppelbach. Jesus. Oh. Wait. Wasn't that one at Alltech? Uh, maybe a variation. The, the consecrator Doppelbach may have been. Yeah, that but was because we were like, "Oh, we have oh. to go get that. We have to get that." And then we were all just like, oh, "I'm done," and just kind of left. Okay, so what's the next festival on the list? Um, so we have Hill Farmsteads Festival of Farmhouse Ales. I kept expecting to hear Hillshire Farms. I know. Go meet. I was like. Just take your time. <laughs> um, but this one's in Vermont, uh, and it takes place in August, which I, that makes a ton of sense for Farmhouse Ale Festival, I think. Um, so this started in t- summer of 2006, obviously August. Um, it said, uh, Hill Farmstead was born through the Backwoods Brewdown, a festival hosted by Sean Hill and his friends in which brewers would come for a day of live music and barbecue. In 2011, one year after Hill Farms had officially opened, the uh, brew down transformed into the one yeah. mentioned above, <laughs> the first yeah, festival oh, geared yeah, toward yeah farmhouse breweries. Um, yeah, that sounds awesome, actually. Yeah, it seems like it's it's just uh, friends within the beer industry celebrating a weekend together. It sounds like it's probably still just you know live music, barbecue. You can get in. For, they have a ticket lottery in yeah. the spring. That's strange. That's an interesting way to do it. Um, but that sounds good. Um, I, I keep hearing this brewery name, but I've yet to try any of their stuff. Oh, Hill Farm said. Yeah. Difficult to get your hands on. Another one of those. Hmm. Hillshire Farm. It makes them At interesting. Go beer. Go beer. All right. Uh, let's see. We have the, the Midwest. great taste of the Midwest in Wisconsin. Sorry. I was 
looking to see how far ahead we had. Uh, founding members of Madison's Homebrew and Taster Guilds returned from the Great American Beer Festival with a plan to replicate that, but on a smaller scale. So, so they created first the Great Taste of Wisconsin, and then they changed to the Great Taste of the Midwest. Makes sense. And <laughs> the, the best part about this is that although half the tickets they kind of sell them in person, you have to do a lottery through the mail. Right? <laughs> it's like it says here with a stamp and everything. Must uh, <laughs> be postmark on the first Monday of May. Who who owns stamps? That's the best way to do these kind of things. That's uh, when we went uh, back uh, backcountry camping in Yellowstone. That's how you get the back you get your permits to go backcountry camping. It's lottery, and you have to physically mail the stuff in. So yeah, having a lottery like that is actually a really good idea because you're really going to get the hardcore people who really want to be there, hmm. and it's going to cut down on scalping. Yeah. All right. So I guess we're going to blow through these now. Uh, Casey, grab the next one. Copenhagen Beer Celebration, CBC, Massachusetts, Massachusetts in <laughs> September, um, hosted by McKellar. So oh. it's mm. it's a really interesting event, I'm sure. Um, knowing that he goes around and starts brewing at different events or different breweries. Um, so we'll see how that works out this year. I think the first time for that event was in 2016. Okay, so this is going to be the second time. Yep. The big event of the year that usually every brewer uh, talks about is the next one. Right. Oh, yeah. Uh, Great American Beer Festival, G-A-B-F. But yeah, it's like a Gap beer pilgrimage. <laughs> it really is. And we missed it. We were in Denver like two weeks or something before it. And it was just, it was like, oh, we can't stay for another two weeks. Which it hurt. You left two weeks later? Two weeks. Yeah, no, we, the, our trip was centered around other things. So I know, I know. But yeah, since 1982, the Great American Beer Festival has served as one of the original and premier craft beer festivals in the country. For those of you wondering what makes this festival so great, try the 800 breweries, bringing a whopping 3,500 different beers for attendees to sample within the Colorado Convention Center each fall. That's kind of crazy. Yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's liver poisoning, trying to catch them all. It is. There, <laughs> no, there's no way. You can't even try it. But you know, that's not even liver poisoning. That's drowning. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, that's just straight up that's drowning in alcohol. Insta-death. All right, let's keep rolling. Next up, uh, Shelton Brothers, The Festival. So I am so upset that I missed this last year because it was in our local Louisville, Kentucky, and oh, yeah, I did yeah. not get to go. But this is where you can get all those really hard-to-get beers that Shelton Brothers distributes. Check out what's on their distribution list. Check out that the back of that really rare imported uh, Belgian beer, it's going to say Shelton Brothers because they're the importers that bring it in here and distribute it. And they're they're using the best stuff. And uh, these, th this festival moves around across the nation. I know it's been on the West Coast a couple times, been East Coast, and then went to Louisville last year. But they don't even know where it's going to be this year yet. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, very upset we missed it. And all right, someone who wants to grab this last one? Uh, festival of Wood and Barrel Aged Beers. Mm. Fobab. <laughs> Bobab. Uh in Illinois Illinois. I almost said my joke name for Illinois and I'm not doing it. Uh starting in two thousand three has been inviting brewers and beer fanatics to Chicago to take part in the largest celebration of barrel aged beers the country has to offer. This 
sounds like my jam. Yeah. <laughs> it's apparently it's a two-day event, uh, allowing visitors to sip on some of the most unique beers out there, some of which aren't available commercially. Ooh. Yeah, these are all sounding awesome. You have that in November in Chicago for the Fobab. 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 <laughs> they should get the best name award. So yeah, we can actually make it. Dark Lord Day and Fobab are both within our wheelhouse to be able to yeah. make it. To, to see if maybe we can try to get out there. Just having the funding. All right, let's move into the next story because that one took a long time. Uh, our next one, headline, uh, Tesla helps Sierra Nevada Brewing make green beer. Not not like St. Patrick's Day green beer, not dye <laughs> oh. green. I was wondering why Tesla had an abundance of green food dye. <laughs> right. The Sierra Nevada Brewing Company is using a bunch of Tesla batteries along with solar power and microturbine generator to help make beer brewing more environmentally friendly at its Ch- its Chico, California facility. Almost at Chicago. <laughs> the company has installed a 1 million... Or wait. It's megawatt, megawatts megawatt, per hour. 1 megawatts per hour Tesla power pack battery system taking power from an existing 10,751 panel... 2 megawatt solar installation the largest owned by any US brewery I can't imagine there are very many owned by US breweries yeah. maybe New Belgium <laughs> I'm right, just right. saying they should upgrade to a 1.21 gigawatt <laughs> time travel that's what we're doing now. Sierra Nevada has given up on beer and is now time traveling uh, and a 2 to megawatt bring you ancient impossible to find beer yeah. a 2 megawatt micro turbine in all, the setup allows Sierra Nevada to offset around 20% of its yearly electricity use. That's wow. pretty great. That's awesome. Yeah, and this seems like a thing like Tesla would get into. They they do a lot of, uh, they've been doing, you know, branching out from just making cars and batteries for their electric cars uh, to doing some stuff for home use. You know? Yeah, they get uh, into the Gigafactory that yeah. has opened up now. Uh, in addition to making cars and batteries, Tesla builds stationary power products for utilities, homes, and commercial applications. So, yeah, it's it's something we've all actually been kind of with bated breath been waiting to see what's going to come out of this Gigafactory in Nevada. It's going to be pretty cool. Yeah. Their, uh, their crazy amount of... Uh, like, some of their batteries they're, they're, they're designing out there are really, like super impressive for how how much storage they can have you know i'm not getting into this this is <laughs> let's just say that they they they're doing really cool work out there yeah. and uh, uh teaming up with sierra nevada to start making uh to help make their their beer uh have uh, let's say less of a carbon footprint yeah so uh the beer brewing process uses a lot of electricity heating and cooling batches of water and beer over several weeks of production. Big industrial operations like Sierra Nevada pay for electricity both on overall use as well as peak usage over the course of a month. And That's any, the key. Yeah. When you're running a company, it's not how much use you have day-to-day. It's how much use the power company has to keep constantly on the line just for you to use. So that's, you know, if you run in a large company, uh, especially in manufacturing, you just have, okay, I peaked at this this month. That's my bill. I have to make that, you know, whatever I was at highest. Yeah. So, yeah, they have to make sure, you know, and, and this, uh, sorry, I'm just, just <laughs> thinking about how much power they're saving through stuff like this. Just, because it's just rigid. <laughs> Can I just? I can Tesla just start making smartphone batteries? Can we do that? 
That'd be fine. <laughs> I mean, at this point, for some other stuff, like they, they just need to start making smaller and smaller versions of their batteries. Give it time. I'm sure out of that Gigafactory, we're going to see this. Uh, the Tesla Power Pack system that Sierra Nevada installed can output up to 500 kilowatts of power, allowing the brewer to shave significant amounts off its peak usage during the beer making process. Tesla software allows its batteries to charge when demand is low, then discharge when demand at the brewery is being to spike. Tesla says that the software does not require any connection to Sierra Nevada systems, instead learning demand trends and adapting as necessary. This is how Skynet starts, kids. <laughs> There's actually 500 megawatts of power. Well, no, that's just that, no, that's like uh, ridiculous. <laughs> so I'm like, wow. Yeah, yeah, the uh, yeah, just getting down here to the bottom. It is like Tesla's other power storage installations include a uh, 20 megawatt slash 80. I actually don't know if that's supposed to be megawatt, but uh, 80 megawatt power pack. hours, maybe. Me- yeah, maybe megawatt hour power pack system being installed in Ontario, California, for California Edison, and another solar battery slash power system is powering the entire island of Tau Tau in American Samoa. Maybe it's Tau. Yeah, the Tau. Yeah. T A apostrophe U. Either way, they're powering an entire island, and now they're... That's what's important here. <laughs> they're starting yeah. to power beer, which makes us so. very happy. All right, let's move in into our last story, which isn't much of a story, but much of more of a uh, reporting on a new trend that has begun. And for some reason, they're calling it a health trend. Sure. <laughs> yeah, the article that I was able to find isn't much of an article on it. It's more of a more pictures people doing yoga with sentences between looks looks more like a tumbler yeah <laughs> so apparently beer yoga is now a very healthy thing you can do so last week we were very talking healthy they're claiming <laughs> so shower beers were a thing we talked about last week which many Still of us haven't had a chance to, to try out the shower beer gotta remember it i mean even though you shower in the mornings predominantly yeah just... well and it's also i have to i've had to go to work all this week no excuses <laughs> yeah you, I you can't drink a beer first thing in the morning when i'm no excuses <laughs> if it takes you a half hour to an hour to get ready you've already metabolized it you're good <laughs> but uh this article going on for beer yoga or yoga beer uh now guzzle down a pint of ice cold heavenly drink while caring your health uh, if you fancy saying Prost instead of Om, this is the yoga class for you, combining the current mindfulness craze with everyone's favorite hoppy beverage. The concept. So, can I, I'm just thinking about this, and they they have that that hot yoga where like they crank the room up to like you know, yeah, forty thousand degrees. Oh God, uh, no, not with this. And like you just try like you oh let me drink this cold beer as quickly as I can while I'm burning in this place. You would die, I think. <laughs> Maybe one of those Yeti can holders comes in. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) That would be like a product testament to Mm. take that in there and be like, no, did did beer hot yoga (laughs) using the Yeti can koozie? Beer stayed cold. (laughs) At that point, I'm going to recommend uh, you do a... uh... Uh, a alcoholic coffee beverage. Yeah, you do like a, a Irish coffee yoga. <laughs> oh, the concept is very simple and enjoyable. You take yoga and add beer. 
sometimes consumed during the practice, other times enjoyed afterward in a brewery where the classes are taught. That is a big thing that's going on around town here. A lot of the breweries on uh, oh, yeah. Sunday mornings do uh, yoga. And I never thought, like, oh, yeah, you just do your, do yoga there and then grab a beer. But they do have some pictures of people at breweries, like, doing it, balancing the bottles on their head. The pictures that are amazing. Looks uns- it looks unsafe. Like, I'm just picturing those bottles falling and then shattering, and then you're like, I can't put my foot down. <laughs> well, it's going to be diehard up in here, and mm-hmm. Hans Gruber is going to find me from the trail of blood. It seems like everybody in this this whole article is using the same green bottle of beer, and I don't know what it is, but yeah. for this some reason, is so white. Uh, for some reason, I can see the beer of choice for beer yoga being PBR. I don't know why. Because it, it feels uh, hipsterish. <laughs> yeah, my my note in our show notes was like beer yoga, probably the most hipster thing on the planet. Uh, that, 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 you know, sorry, we're being, we're being productive, uh, uh, and we're trying to, to put mm-hmm. it into a category. Maybe this is an enjoyable experience. Maybe it can get people into doing yoga, and it will will be a healthier thing. That said, yoga is kind of just made up by by whoever's doing it that day. So whatever. <laughs> Well, I do this. Uh, they end it. Apparently, it is a thing like in Germany, even yeah. uh, Germany's beer yoga, and it has AKA beer yoga. Beer spelled B I E R. Yeah. And they have to go, oh, in case you didn't recognize those words, B E E R yoga. And it's like, really? Uh, marriage of two great loves, beer and yoga. Both are centuries old therapies for mind, body, and soul. Uh, okay. I'm just not going to raise to the bait of this history flaunt and i'm just it's fine keep it down keep it down don't go on to a rant okay so i can see how it would the beer would help to so and first of all the only thing that actually the only Modern yoga only happened in the 70s okay sorry <laughs> the only thing that bothers me about this article is the um the it says the the trend of mindfulness like or the craze rather it's not really a craze. It's a our society's gone so fast to the point that no one knows how to be mindful anymore. <laughs> like it's it's a it's a method of slowing down for a freaking second. So I don't think it's a craze. Um, that's kind of a weird way to phrase that. It's well, spoken like a true hipster. <laughs> no, it, it, from an outsider perspective, it may it, it looks like it's it's a current fad. And it, only the test of time will see if that that is the truth or not. Yeah, but they did go on. Uh, beer, yoga start, beer yoga started uh, its journey in Germany and has now spread to Australia. So I don't know how many actual beer yoga classes you can find here in the States, but there are many breweries hosting yoga classes where you can drink afterwards. But I like the pictures of them incorporating their bottle of beer into their yoga poses and drinking it as they're going. I, you know, I think I think the beer after yoga is probably a good idea. Um, I like the idea of even you know how they have like Jamba juices inside of workout joints. Yeah, yeah. I, I could I could see like a little bar inside of a a workout place. Both of those sound awful. You know what I don't want after I've worked out? Beer. What? Or all sugary the, things. But I mean, vitamins and minerals. Like there's a lot in a beer. 
yeah, but like not right after I've worked out. And there are those weird I want, protein I beers. I want water because I'm thirsty. I need something that goes down easy. <laughs> I don't need bubbles. I actually think it makes sense during the workout for yoga. Like I, I keep thinking about it, and like I've, I've granted I haven't taken that many yoga classes, but I've done some enough to where it's almost like like part of it is almost a form of meditation. So having having to hold that thing and and have to move it around to certain positions and be aware of something it helps get your mind off of something else. So I could see this working with doing it, like having the beer while you're in the routine. So it, 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 it actually kind of makes sense to me. To go back to my D&D roots, you have a focus. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, like thinking about it that way, it, it actually kind of makes sense to me. Yeah. Uh, by the way, my... My shouting earlier is only just about the fact that there's a difference between the ancient Indian form of yoga oh. and yogis and the oh yeah yeah the modern stuff that everyone does. You don't like there's not some rigorous training protocol to be to make an instructor of yoga. You just go up and say, "I'm going to teach yoga." Yeah, no, so. there's a there's a there's definitely like a whole lifestyle person difference between the whole yeah, right. that's and a that, whole different thing. So, when I hear like centuries old, it's it's not Stat. also I don't know how good beer is for the body in some cases, but Yeah, I mean, that's like someone saying they're about some Chinese food, but that's cuz they like American Chinese food. <laughs> right. Uh, I could go over some General's chicken right about now. Can I just say that? Some Americanized General's chicken. <laughs> oh, or some chicken fried rice. We've been dying. Who knows, who knows how much the general? Who knows what what it tastes like in China? Maybe they don't even have a general. Maybe he's only a colonel there. <laughs> I believe that is the case in Japan, at least. He is just a colonel, and he's hawking a lot of fried chicken. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, I think that does it for this story. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I believe let's go ahead and move into some untapped. Get riggedy, riggedy, yeah. Yeah. So, first squeeze. So it says here, once a year, as the newest cumulus lupulus harvest arrives at Troig's, they waste no time and blend the super fresh hops into an imperial amber ale. That's, uh, you know, I don't see a whole lot of fresh amber ales, fresh hopped mm-hmm. a- imperial amber ales at that. Excessively dry hopped nugget nectar is an explosion of pine, resin, and mango. It is impossible to forget your first squeeze, so be sure to be one of the lucky ones and get your hands on some of this year's batch. So, to get this badge, you have to enjoy this year's release of Nugget Nectar, and you unlock this brand new badge between January 20th, that's uh, just yesterday, and February 20th. So, so you got a about a month. month. Yeah, and I just managed to snag a bottle of this, and I've never had it before. Looking forward to uh, cracking that bad boy open. By the nice. way, guys, after some rigorous checking of this article, the years are correct. Right? <laughs> nice. I don't think we have to worry about that moving forward for the year. It won't uh, be probably, probably not. Probably till I'm the end of the year. I'm still seeing people write the wrong year down at work. <laughs> it takes about a month or so. <laughs> it does. By those people, I meant me. Um, <laughs> all right. Next untapped badge we have is Creme Brulee Dessert Stout. Creme Brulee. Creme Brulee. <laughs> Uh, the creme brulee imperial stout is back and more beautiful than ever, filled with burnt creme. <laughs> creme. 
Roasty malts and caramel sweet flavors is the perfect dessert by itself and as a beer float. Hmm. Uh, enjoy some creme brulee for dessert tonight, and you can unlock a brand new ba- brand new badge. Check into one Southern Tier creme brulee dessert stout between uh, January 19th and February 19th, and the badge can be yours. I'm, I'm, I, I support Southern Tier. I do too, but I have seen some people checking in saying that the current creme brulee, they did change up the labels. I don't know if they, with it, have changed the recipe. But I know before when I've had it, I've very much enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I've seen a number of check-ins. People not very pleased with this year's batch. Mm-hmm. Saying that either the batch is bad or their palate has changed to the point that they no longer enjoy this beer. Weird. But I will, at our next bottle share, I believe we're going to have some, and it will, I'll be able to report back then. <laughs> okay. All right, um, final badge is for Huntsville Beer Week. Uh, so obviously Huntsville, Alabama. Represent. <laughs> um, who's, who's representing? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> so I, I think there's like a shortage of beer, like. Everybody gets their beer weight badge except Cincinnati. And um <laughs> No one's bitter about it at all. Not not even a little bit. Um so since two thousand nine, uh in the passage of the gourmet beer bill, Huntsville has launched an exceptional local craft beer scene. Growing at a rapid pace, the Rocket City's mantra of innovation and exploration has really taken hold in the brewing community. Huntsville Beer Week is a nine day celebration. Wow. Uh taking place from January twentieth to January twenty ninth. Um well, they wow. get a Nine days. Yep. That's crazy. Uh, so, yeah, that's what that's already started as of yesterday, uh, which by the time this is posted, it'll, it'll be, be very close over. to over. <laughs> um, so, join in the celebration. Uh, they, wrote, they wrote that funny. Um, celebrate Huntsville Beer, <laughs> Beer Week, and you'll unlock a brand new badge. Um, check into any beer at three different participating locations um listed below and they provide a list so we don't uh there's a lot um <laughs> we'll just link the list on there um uh, there, there are a couple here that uh i can't call out because i was just at them oh okay know, maybe oh no maybe maybe three months ago four months ago something like that um straight l was really good good oh. stuff there um Yellowhammer brewing both of those right beside each other within walking distance uh the yellow hammer you brought us some back and it was amazing what about whole foods good. market <laughs> sorry it's on the list i did not try their beer hey our, yeah. <laughs> to be fair uh, when we were in portland that's where we did our beer shopping mainly because uh, i was wasted and it was between the breweries hey the cincinnati right. whole foods has really good tap list actually yeah uh and they got a okay. BJ's on there, Mellow Mushroom, but you know things people have typically heard of. But, um, but yeah, it is it is a nice size list. Um, but yeah, so you've got twentieth to the 29th, um, and you have to check into three participating locations. Um, so no specific beer, just those locations. Um, and then there's a HuntsvilleBeerWeek.com to kind of get more details on that. Awesome. I think it's time to move into our episode to- uh, topic. Teach us so wise, Casey. Tell us about <laughs> about your home brewing ways. Well, to uh, in the home brewing world, you know the biggest uh, form of flattery I think is imitation, right? Isn't that the the way that saying goes? So. Um, home brewing has the best has, form of flattery and writing and in beer is theft. 
<laughs> well, there you go. Um, and we've been stealing a lot to uh, to package our beers at home. So today we're going to be talking about commercial brewing, uh, their methods, but mostly it's going to be about home brewing and how we package beers at home. Uh, commercial brewing, at least in modern history, has traditionally kind of worked with three main packaging types, that being bottle, can, and draft. Uh, you know, everything goes back to the old days when uh, you just had a keg of uh, an actual barreled keg of beer and you put a tap on that and you tapped it from that. It's that big old cask. Just Yes. So now we, we are a little bit more concerned with preservation, um, with the dawn of refrigeration and pasteurization. Uh, beer can be transported away from the, the bar or the brewery where it was made. And so... Uh, we now are into packaging methods. And what's the best packaging method? Okay. I feel well, like there are a couple of big concerns uh, with the modern uh, thing for packaging. Sterilization and refri- you know, and refrigeration. Like how easy it is to clean it and how easy it is to you know keep it refrigerated and shipped. Uh-huh. Because, Those t- because that's why we don't use that many bar- uh, you know wood barrels for our beer. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, anymore or for like you know your big your big stuff unless you're doing a a you know barrel aging beer now you know the milk industry is probably the the benefactor of it but beer is the reason we got commercial pasteurization um so you could get your beer uh at different places in the u.s is that what louis pasteur was working on uh, yeah that's that's what he was working on his beer (laughs) Um, but all the, the commercial techniques and everything, we, we kind of, they filtered down from the almighty brewers down to us home brewers. And, uh, so we kind of picked that up. I'm picturing like a shrine to, uh, to the almighty brewers. Just like, just a, a non, uh, nondescript fat guy with a work <laughs> shirt on. Beard. He would have a beard. long beard. Have a beard. <laughs> I did leave and that. Just back. Oh, Mighty Brewer, who art in Basement. the brewery. brewery. <laughs> Hallowed be thy oh. brew. Okay, it's enough. I heard moving it all. That means, that means I gotta stop. Uh, moving on. So, bottles and cans, that's usually how, how us home drinkers will be getting our beer from these commercial breweries. But draft has been the, the best way traditionally to kind of enjoy beers. It's usually the freshest, it's usually. Um, Usually, uh, the the one of the best tasting versions of the beer. Now that that has a lot to do with you know draft beer. You go through it a lot quicker. It has a whole lot more to do with the fact that draft beer is refrigerated from the time that you uh, from the beginning all the way to the end of the process. You know you don't you don't let your draft beer ever get warm. Whereas bottles and cans can sit in a uh, tractor trailer for you know a few days. I say you say that, Casey. You've clearly not worked in a restaurant when the. Uh... <laughs> when the motor gave out on the refrigerator <laughs> and Just suddenly you pour and go, why is everything foam? <laughs> you can go back, look at the, th- back of the, uh, the, the uh, thermometer and go, Oh <laughs> crap. Yeah. That's the dream at least to, to keep it cold. But uh, draft beer is its own world. Um, today we're going to kind of brush up on our cans and versus bottles as far as the craft beer world goes. Um, and both have their pros and cons. And right now you can't can at least affordably at the home level, unless you want to buy a huge canning line. Um, there's not a real good way to can at for home brew. 
uh, I would love for these crawlers to come to the homebrew level and us to be able to use those, but uh, alas, it hasn't happened yet. But uh, can versus bottle, it kind of works out to some various factors, and different brewers have different opinions on what's best, but uh, these are the factors that kind of go into that. So storage is number one. Can you stack it? Cans are stackable, bottles are not. And whatever well, you're... With the, with the right, like, uh, you know, packaging around that, mm-hmm. you know, you put them in a six-pack little carton, mm-hmm. you can stack them then. You could. But here's the key. Whenever you do that, it adds cost. And so whenever you're looking at the cost factor, um, that's just one more thing that you've got to add in addition to uh, what you're actually putting into the packaging. Right. Um, bottles let light in. Even your brown glass bottles will let in about 10% of the light. Uh, green's really bad for it. Clear, of course, will just about let everything in. Uh, cans let no light in whatsoever. It's a completely opaque uh, device. So there's no light damage that can happen inside of a can. That's why if you're looking at getting uh, Heineken, uh, you can tell the difference between a bottle of Heineken and a uh, can of Heineken or Newcastle. Newcastle is served in a clear bottle, or at least it used to be. I think it still is. Now you can get it in a can. tastes totally different. So there's a big difference between the two packaging methods there. Yeah, there's uh, to come in and say that's uh, I got a can of the barrel-aged 1050, and a bunch mm-hmm. of other barrel-aged stouts hanging around in there, and we're going to take a look in a couple years and really see the difference of what just the container is going to have on that. Far yep. more patient man than me. <laughs> right. Um, another aspect that you can look at is the uh, durability of the packaging. So does it... it is- it is less likely for a can when dropped to shatter. Yep. <laughs> Fact. Less likely. Not not completely impossible. And when bumped and jostled on the shelf. Hmm. Yep. So what? how much loss do you get in uh, transportation? So that's a key. Um, environmental friendly, friendly. So bottles, glass can be recycled. Aluminum can be recycled. But usually you'll find more aluminum recycling facilities than you will glass. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah a I can. Felt like, I've always felt like glass was the bigger pain. To, mm-hmm. to recycle uh, glass would be great if you like the old days had coke bottles that were uh, returnable and they just refilled them uh, a lot of places now just take the glass and recycle it it still takes energy it's not just a clean and refill yeah. so uh, that that really there take there still takes a lot of energy uh, to turn the, it takes a lot of energy to turn that glass bottle back into another glass bottle or something else hmm. dissolved oxygen so whenever you're packaging the beer, whenever you're putting it into the can or bottle, how much oxygen is getting into that bottle when you first start to fill it? Um, both of these types of, uh, when you fill it up, you're trying to put a little CO2 in there to act as a blanket to keep the oxygen out, but there's always a little bit of oxygen that gets in both. Um, with cans, the seal pretty much prevents any external oxygen from getting in. You may have a little bit of oxygen there to start with, a little bit more oxygen in a can, but whenever you get to a bottle, that cap isn't a complete crimp seal. It's not completely airtight, so it'll actually let oxygen in and out of the bottle. You've betrayed uh, which, me once again, bottle. Yep. Um, and then, the uh, well, with all that, um, cost is another factor. And I'll, I'll talk about cost and, and order sizes here in the same thing. But those all, all those factors kind of lean you toward, okay, can may be a better packaging device. Until you get down to the packaging ordering. 
So with cans, they are going to be cheaper each, um, a lot cheaper per can. But the problem is you have to order an entire truckload of cans at the same time. And it runs about a quarter million cans uh, is the smallest run you can normally get. I remember back when we were like the first few news stories we were doing on the show, they were talking about like the shortage of cans yeah. that they were having because of, you know, they, people were switching over to trying to do cans and like it was hard for a smaller brewery to get like the bare minimum order that they could get. Yeah, because... a lot of your breweries would uh, try to package in that 16 ounce size can and that was the hardest one to get at the time. I, I think mm. probably still is. Uh, but bottles, you can buy them a dozen at a time if you want to. There's no difference. And the reason that that is, is bottles come without a label on them. Cans, you have to print the label on the can at the time of manufacturing. Now, mm. don't write letters because I know there are a few methods where you can put on a, a sticky label afterwards. But for a can to look like a good commercially processed can, most of the time it takes, it takes either uh, printing on it or the time and labor to do a shrink wrap label later on. Sorry, now so, I'm picturing a shrinky dink label. <laughs> <laughs> so that kind of runs on the two two bottle versus can argument, and I, you know, it, it's up to each brewer. Each one's got their own idea of what's best, but um, I don't think that's an argument that's going to be solved anytime soon. Uh, especially nope, let's because sell it right some, now. <laughs> rock paper oh. scissors solves everything. I say cans because I I'm the one taking recycling from our apartment to well where we work, but um, it's also it's like. I'm always terrified because I'm I'm dropping our recycling in the compactor, and the in the recycling compactor. So I'm not saying you have a lot of glass bottles when yeah, you like, host a show like this. If the, if the thing's empty and I'm I'm just like, well, I'm gonna drop this and just hope for the best, and then I just hear clang clang like crash, and I'm like, cool, thanks, glass <laughs> bottles. So I'd I'd prefer cans. So. <laughs> now I know, Chris, you've mentioned in the past you have issues with like just the 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 metal flavor that you uh, right. that couldn't be left behind from cans. Yeah, that can happen with a few things. I am finding it less and less more often. Uh, a lot of cans nowadays, I guess, are coated on the inside to keep that from yep. happening. Mm. And really, I'm just finding it. I want cans more and more because they're easier to store. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So cellaring, like if you're cellaring with glass bottles. It becomes an issue because they're not really stackable. You have to put them in something else to make them stackable, or you have to invest in shelving or something like that, whereas cans, you can just pile them kind of endlessly on top of each other. Cans are far more portable, yep. too, like compared to like a six-pack of beer, for example, where the you know the bottles are visible. Um, yeah, I don't know. But at, well, at the same time, were... I still can't bring myself to drink beer out of a can unless I'm just like, whatever, I don't care right now. <laughs> heathen's way. Um, it, you know, we talked about this, I think at the beginning of this episode, or, or at least during the banter we had before the episode, um, uh, whenever you're going to camp, you know, right. you can take in a six pack of bottles, drink everything that's in there and you still got a lot of weight to pack out cans. You've got just a few ounces with those six cans that you're packing out. And when you're backpacking those ounces, every ounce <laughs> is counted. So oh, yeah. <laughs> if you can drink it and knock the weight off, yeah, a lot better. Yeah. Well, alas, as homebrewers, though, we are relegated away from cans, and we, we can't use them yet. Um, it may be coming down the line, but uh, I haven't seen it yet, at least a, a good method. If you've got one out there, let me know. 
Uh, but right now, homebrewers are kind of put into bottling or kegging as their two main ways to package beer. Now, each, again, has its positives or its drawbacks. You know, Of course, we know that bottling is much more portable than kegging. If I wanted to keg my beer, it's very difficult for me to try to get it up to you guys. Hmm. Uh, no, no, whereas if I bottle... Up on your shoulder take it with you to camp. Well, okay. Now, yeah, I, you know, I've done that and taken uh I've taken a couple bags of ice and a small um uh, small little party tub oh, to yeah. birthday parties and whatnot to to serve my beer out of keg there, but uh bottling's really nice if you're going to be just taking one or two bottles, it's nice to have that. You can take off of a keg. You can put it into a uh, growler and pack that way, but you do lose a little bit of the carbonation. I don't know. Beer out of a growler is never as good to me as it is straight out of a bottle or a can. Hmm. Or, well, from a bottle into a cup or a glass. Right. Uh, so bottling is the method that most beer brewers start with because it's got a low cost to enter. Um, you, you basically just need clean bottles, and those can be used bottles from your favorite uh, brewery pry off bottles, not screw tops. Although um, some can use those aluminum 16 ounce Coors Light bottles, you can actually reuse those to some extent to bottle your homebrew. Man. A little tacky, but uh, I remember it when works. you I remember when you started uh, homebrewing and like us stopping at yeah, you know, like, like being at a bar somewhere back home and to be like, hey, by the way, I'm gonna be by wherever set some bottle, bottles aside for me yeah and they would and they would do it like no problems no no questions asked because it you know they're interested in recycling most of these places and and they we don't have a good recycling program here at home uh so you know it, it was a nice thing they would pour beer out of the bottle into a glass for their patrons and then even at that you still got to sanitize there's nothing that's living really inside of those after you sanitize it no matter what was you know even if they drank straight out of it gave it a little tongue um, so <laughs> you're good either way. Yeah, no, they had to make love to that bottle. Right. Uh, but basically you just need clean bottles and then some caps. So some, uh, crown caps, bottle caps, uh, that haven't been used and then a capper. And those three things will let you bottle beer in a bottle. Now you've got to prepare the beer to go into the bottle. So it's not just a standard, okay, I've got beer, let me pour it in the bottle, and there it's it's carbonated beer in a bottle. Wait, you when mean you it's get, not done then? It's not done then. Oh. So there is a there is a wait time. That's one of the drawbacks about the bottling, straight bottling method is there's a wait time for your beer to be ready to drink. So what you do is you mix some sort of sugar source uh, into your finished beer. So you've got beer that's fermented all the way through. It's still got yeast in solution. If it doesn't, if it's been sitting for a while, you may have to add a little bit of yeast back so it's got yeast in there. But um, you've got, you had some sort of sugar source. Maybe it's a uh, little priming, like they look like little pills that you would stick in each bottle, and it's a little bit of sugar that goes in each bottle, and then you fill it up with beer. Or you could put uh, sugar into a bucket with the beer, stir it up, and then put that in the bottle. You can even add a little bit of unboiled uh, but unfermented wort, so a little bit of uh Un green beer, I guess you could call it, right back in, um, right before you get ready to put it in, and that'll help carbonate it. Uh, but green what you do, in, green beer is in. You're ready for St. Patrick's Day. Uh, yeah, we. I guess we've talked about three different green beers today, haven't we? <laughs> <laughs> uh, eh. I mean, so, th this this would be different from the the other two we've mentioned, but yeah. Yes. 
So you take that beer that's uh, got a little bit of excess sugar in it now that hasn't been fermented, and you put that cap on a bottle. And that uh, the yeast will start chugging away and turn that sugar into CO2 and alcohol. So it'll increase the alcohol just a little bit, not much really, but it, the amount of CO2 it produces will carbonate the beer. Now that process takes about a eh, probably two weeks to get in there, but you want to still leave it about a month to make sure it happens. Um, and that is sort of the way that you bottle a beer. Now, on the kegging side, it's a lot more cost to get in. Um, it, but once you're actually in and good to go, it, it could be cheaper, actually, in the long run. So you need kegs, of course. And there's really two types of kegs out there, the ball lock keg and the pin lock keg. Same method, but it they come from two different producers. I'm trying uh, originally, to think, this. I'm trying to think of which one I've had the most experience with. I solely use ball lock. Yeah. But, well, no, I take that back. You will have used a different type of keg in yours than what I use in mine. Yes. So your kegs are a the new new method. You actually have one coupler that you put on in a commercial keg, and it pushes the CO2 in and the beer out in the same right. uh, coupler. Yes. Ball lock and pin lock kegs have two. You've got a CO2 in coupler and a CO um, and a beer out coupler. Okay. So it's actually broken into two different segments. Um, with ball lock, it's basically a snap on. With pin lock, you push it down and push it around a pin. It's that simple, and that's the biggest difference. The connectors that you use to attach it won't work interchangeably, so you really want to stick to one or the other. Used to be ball lock was kind of the one everybody used. It was the cheaper, but now it's hard to find ball lock kegs. So folks are going to pin lock kegs. Um, where these two came from, one was uh, you, you got your old kegs from a soda distributor. So Pepsi <laughs> used one right. style <laughs> and Coke used the other. And you would find these old kegs when they went from uh, kegging their sodas to put it on dra or on uh, soda taps to this bag-in-a-box me method that they've got now. Um, they had to get rid of these kegs, and homebrewers stole them, picked them up wherever they could. Uh, at really good prices. Now, you can't serve beer on draft without CO2. If you do, you start to get air in there instead of carbon, monox or carbon dioxide, and it will start to stale the beer. And you can't have CO2 without a regulator. So here you're just going down the line and having all these different parts that you got to buy in order to keg. It's not just one keg and you're done. Um, you've got to have tubing. You've got to have some sort of refrigeration or a kegerator. So there's another couple hundred bucks that you've got to have there. Uh, you can turn an old freezer into a kegerator, but uh, you've got to have some sort of way to keep the beer cold because otherwise you won't be able to carbonate it as well and it'll serve on foam. Um, you've also got to have a tap. So either you've got to get one these little what we call picnic taps or cobra head taps. They're, they're just kind of handheld and um, you, you push a, a little small lever and it, beer comes out or um, a whole tower tap system. So there's a lot that goes into that. One of the biggest benefits about kegging is that it doesn't take nearly as much time. So you're, you're looking at kegging, you're taking your beer, you don't have to add any sugar to it, you don't have to add anything to it unless you, well, we'll get to that hybrid method here in just a second. But you don't have to add anything to it. You just pour it into your keg that's been cleaned and sanitized. You add CO2 to it. And you can do a shake method where you put the CO2 up really high and you shake it to dissolve the CO2 in. Shake, or you can, rattle, and roll. Yep. Or you can just set it on draft, on CO2, let it sit for about 
three, four days at a really high and then bring it down to serving pressure, which is about uh, 10 to 12 PSI. And you let it sit there for another few days and it's good to go. Like there's, you've got beer in less than a week already on tap and good to go. One seems, so, one seems like less manual work, but long, but, like, but man, that time frame. Yeah. Yeah. Well, bottling takes, I mean, that process of bottling, you're, you're, it's messy. Um, cause you're filling, filling 48 containers for a, a five gallon batch of beer. You've got to fill 48 bottles. So there's a lot of actual hands-on labor that you've got to work with there. It's it's difficult. I mean, um, you've got to. Why don't you just uh, just start paying some neighbor kids? <laughs> you know, if, if I trusted them to be clean enough through the whole process, <laughs> I would. Right. That's a good call. I have to interject real quick. Um, you went to a different song than me when you got the uh, "Shake It." I went oh. to "Baby Got Back." Oh, I mean, yeah. the other option shake I could have got it, was "Shake It." Been shake to, it. To, Shake that healthy uh, butt. Which would have been shake it like a Polaroid picture. That's where my head went. went, So (laughs) Three different shakes. Yeah. I just heard Outcast in my head. More than three times you're, uh, well, we'll go on from there. Um, (laughs) So when we were talking about these two methods, you've got one where you're in 48 different containers, one method where you were in one container. I always like to lean toward the less work aspect of kegging in one container. Because then at the end, you've only got one container to clean instead of 48 containers to clean as well. Right. Um, There is a combined method where you'll be uh, doing a little bit of both. So a couple. So which one forms the head? (laughs) All of them should form head. No, no, no. uh, When you pour it out, not the head. Not the head. So like the the, the bottles don't like dangle from the keg side and, you know, like arms and form a blazing sword. Maybe. Maybe. You don't know. <laughs> um, when you when you take your beer, you'll keg it up, you'll get it uh, carbonated, but let's say you want to take that beer to a party or you want to start giving it out to your friends and you can't just grab the whole keg and you don't have 16 growlers that you want to hand out to folks. I mean, maybe you really like your friends and you just give them the keg. Maybe you do. Mm. You could, but I wouldn't. I don't like my friends that much. Um, there is a method called counterpressure filling and bottle gun filling. And that's where this is the method that most breweries will use when they're filling up their, um, their bottles or cans. You will have uh, a keg, or in their case, you'll have an entire bright tank full of beer, and you'll have it on CO2. It'll be carbonated. And in order to get it into a bottle, you'll use this long stainless steel tube that will, you push one button, it injects CO2 into the can to kind of flush out all of the oxygen. And then the other button will inject the beer into the can and try to keep it, it starts from the bottom up to keep it from foaming as much as possible. So you can do that. It'll fill the bottle um, and you'll be able to push your cap on after that and cap it off and you'll have bottled, uh, bottled carbonated beer that's ready to drink immediately that way. Okay. What about this other so, method? The other method is the counter pressure filler. So that was the bottle gun. The counter pressure filler is the more difficult method that I don't think that you get as much as good of a result out of. So if you just think of the <laughs> so bottle it's gun, harder and it doesn't work as well. Yeah, and and there's a lot of purists that say, oh, if you're packaging for a competition, you've got to do it this way. Well, you know, maybe, but I think it's much easier to just use the bottling gun. And if you keep your your beer cold and your bottles cold, you don't have to worry about foam too much. Now, 
when you're in a brewery, they're technically, I guess they're using counter pressure filling. So you have a uh, beer that's at, I don't know, 10 to 12 PSI. So you would pump into your can 10 to 12 PSI worth of CO2 or sorry, your bottle, you would 10 to 12 PSI of CO2. And it's kind of got a stopper and this long metal tube that goes down in it. So after you put the CO2 in it, you you let that CO2 come out so it gets rid of all the oxygen. You put more back in to get up to 10 to 12 PSI. And then you turn your beer line on so the beer can start flowing in. And you have a little dial that you twist lightly and it'll let the air, the, the CO2 out slowly while the beer will flow in as the pressure gets lower. So as the pressure in the, the bottle reduces because you're letting the air out, the beer will flow in because it's a, a pressure difference. So it's much more difficult to do. It takes a lot more time. Technically, you get less foam. You get a good, uh, calm uh, filling of the bottle, which doesn't agitate the beer as much. But really, it in the end, I don't think it makes that big of a difference between using just a straight bottle gun to fill up the bottle or this counter pressure filling method. Hmm. Because in the end, after all that pressure you've kept in there, you still have to take that stopper out, which lets the pressure equalize to put a cap on. Yeah. So, quick question. When a beer has been carbonated and then possibly capped wrong, Mm -hmm. or something's gone wrong in capping, that's going to allow for all the carbonation to just leak, right? Yep. Um, with a beer, there is always pressure pushing against that cap. And if there's a small hole in that cap or if there's a, a flaw in the, uh, a chip in the, the lip of the, the, the bottle, um, if there's a small flaw in the way that cap is made, it'll let air out or CO2 out. And so as the CO2 that's in the head comes out, then the CO2 that's in the beer will leak into the head, which then will leak right out of the bottle. So even if, you know, you pour, you take your cap off right before you're getting ready to drink your beer, you, you pour it in a glass, it's still carbonated. But if you let it sit out for a couple of days, it's going to have no carbonation at all. And that's just basically what happens as it leaks out. Um, there is, there's a law in, in chemistry and I guess in physics at that point of, uh, called partial pressures. And even, so one of the things about bottles is even though you've got that gasket that's trying to seal it in, because it's only co2 on the inside and it's only oxygen on the outside they can still exchange with each other and they can still replace one from the other and you still keep it's so weird but you still keep pressure on the inside but you can still get oxygen in to that bottle it's so weird you would think that it would push it all out yeah but it doesn't the more you know <laughs> the more you know that's what these are that's, and that's, you know, and that's where we go back to the cans even though cans may have a little bit more oxygen in there to start with over time, they don't leak oxygen into the bottle. Yeah, because, I mean, they're crimped shut. Like, there's yep. literally no way other than a puncture that it's going yeah. to leak. And the, the, <laughs> Who the would crimp puncture is, the side I mean, of a beer can? <laughs> except with, with your car keys. keys, and you're going to shock. No, okay, that was a joke <laughs> that came out of today, because there's a running thing. I do not appreciate children in my breweries. <laughs> because for some reason, it's a bar. And people are bringing infants to bars. And it's, what's the movie? Uh, Sweet Home Alabama. 
And someone's like, you brought a baby to it's, a bar. Yeah, Reese, Wither, Reese Witherspoon's character. She's like, oh, you have a baby in a bar. <laughs> and then we're at like a beer release in a place that serves nothing but beer. No food, no nothing else. Just alcohol. That's all they serve. And there's some dude in there with his like little tiny girl who has a pacifier and is like up like rattling the cage on the side of the building while we're waiting in line. And I'm just like, oh, look, he's getting ready to let her do her first keg stand. Or <laughs> There's another dude with his son who's just like four or five. And I'm like, oh, he's getting ready to teach his little boy how to shotgun a beer. Let's all watch. He can't handle it. That, it really, every time. That crap just... irritates the hell out of me. If you are taking your children to a brewery or a bar that doesn't serve food, like it's not a restaurant... There's a problem. You need to get a sitter or something. Like, holy crap. You do not need to have your kids there. Okay, rant over. <laughs> I'll probably I'll probably be that parent. I'm sure. You know I'll, what? You will probably be will be that parent it, too. I'm I'll, be eating, right I'll be eating the humble pie later when I'm like, okay, we couldn't find a sitter, so we had to take our kids to the brewery. <laughs> Sorry. You know good and well we're taking our kids to Braxton and ordering a pizza from, from Strong, then like it's gonna be a thing that's happening. Yeah. And then and and then I'm gonna teach him how to do his first keg stand. <laughs> no, I'll be the Let's one hilariously the, in the, the back going, Can we I'll just be like, can we just like turn the kid upside down on top of a keg and take a picture? Come on, let me do it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So, um, the, you know, every topic that we touch on, there's a lot more detail that's there. Um, you've got to learn how to to uh, get the right amount of uh, sugar for the right volume of beer. There's ratios that you can find depending on how much carbonation of beer you want to have because um, every beer is a little bit different some beers are made to have very low carbonation like your traditional english style ales um, while other beers are, are meant to have much higher carbonation like uh, i think some of your uh, 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 fruitier styles um, they'll have high carbonation on them so it's it's a matter of getting that balance right as well as finding out what the temperature versus PSI, how many volumes of CO2 and what the, the, the amount of CO2 in that beer will be when you adjust those two things. So There's a lot to it, but uh, I think this was a good overview to try to kind of get everybody introduced to the ideas of packaging beer. Yeah, Much more complex than anybody realizes. Yeah. And, you know, that's, that's with everything beer-related. Um, if Let's... you want to read further, there is a book out there called Beer Packaging. It's in its second edition um, by Ray Klimovoltz and Carl Ockert. It, <laughs> it is 480 pages just on packaging beer. Oh my gosh. So it's a textbook on just packaging beer. And it yeah. goes from, you know, packaging line design all the way to cans and getting a good seam to depalletizing beer, which is really cool. Just Google depalletizing cans and that's a really cool little system that they they've got worked out but and, uh but yeah beer packaging goes goes quite in depth oh yeah and that's okay we've just been talking about home brewing beer packaging and we will be doing a later episode talking merits of like actual industrial sized beer packaging right mm -hmm. and what's going on there but uh you got into the books and it just like I go to my Amazon wish list and then just Amazon is just like, oh, you might be interested in these and just lays out 
like all these amazing books. There are things that everyone needs to be looking for, and just a reminder that tasting beer, which is, I want to say the beer bible, but there is an actual the beer bible. <laughs> but no, tasting beer, which is just the quintessential book. That's like we went to New Belgium and. Like the dude who's taking tickets for tours is just sitting there reading, tasting beer. Like it is the quintessential book for a beer lover. You mm-hmm. you just have to get this book. But uh, I guess they're coming out with the first edit version, so it's going to be the second edition is coming out soon, uh, April of this year. So that is a Ooh. definite one. Well, yeah, second edition of Tasting Beer is coming out, so everyone has to be on that. And I'm I'm not going to swear to it. But at Nerdtacular, we may be carrying some new copies of it and some other stuff to give away. Cool. All right. Well, do we have anything else to say about uh, packaging? I, I think that pretty wraps up. Pretty much wraps up for today. I think the theme wow. was yay cans. Yay cans. <laughs> yay cans. Uh, the the industry as a whole has said yay cans, and the consumer has said sure, why not. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, I think there is something to be said about bottles on the other end because whenever I'm thinking about aging a beer, I do not want to age a beer in a can. I want to see a real bottle, That's true. like like a good wine cellar type bottle with dust on it and and a good cork in it. Yep. And I like that. I like that in a you know I like cans for just drinking beer. But if I'm aging beer, I like a bottle. Yeah, that's I'm, that's I'm, completely I'm, fair. I'm it, like cans are just the other. For every other not, like practical purpose, cans are where you go. If you, if, if you have a long-term idea in your head, it's about bottles. Yeah, I've got to say, I've got a yeah. nice little pile of IPA cans in front of me. And when you, I mean, IPAs, you should enjoy them fresh. Can, probably the best way to go. Right. Yep. Um, yeah, I think that, that's probably a perfect, if it's a can, or if it's an IPA, put it in a can. If it's an Imperial Stout meant to age a couple years, put it in a bottle. Yeah, throw that uh, baby in and, a bomber so you can throw a decent amount of it to share with some friends. Throw it in a bottle. And not that you can't, but I'm never going to put anything I'm going to age into a keg because I want to use that keg for something else later on down the road. <laughs> yeah, that's an investment that you're like setting aside. Yeah. But having said that, uh, we were you, at a store today... Uh, Cappy's in Norwood, which is it's a rather new open, but he was talking about another one of their locations, about the sheer amount of kegs they have set aside in their basement aging. <laughs> and it's just, he's just like, no, there's like a massive investment that they have just set aside in the back that they're well, just waiting on. Yeah, that was unintentionally aging because they're waiting on a permit because it's just opened. So No, no, he was talking about the other location. Oh, oh, okay. I was thinking about the, the because the manager said. at that location, his nephew owns and runs the original location. You know, that's that's one of the things that that happens with whenever you're getting ready to serve in a uh, in a place like that. If you're getting ready to serve beer, you could for five gallons worth of beer for a regular six keg. You know, it's a nice, tall, easy to maneuver thing. Or you could have an entire two cases worth of beer that you've got to try to find a place. So it's much easier to store one keg than it is to to store the two cases of bottles that you would have to work with. Yeah, yeah, I completely get it. All right. Cool. Uh, I think that's going to wrap us up on this one, and I don't believe any feedback. Nope. So I mean, not we not not feedback about beer. We did have someone ask us about the about our thoughts. <laughs> we, the we could, yeah, we could go. Okay, let's our go side the book club. No, that <laughs> is. Go ahead and run it. Go ahead and run the. Yeah, let me oh, let me feedback? pull that up real quick. That's that should have it pretty. 
So, <laughs> last time I think we were... Was it last time? It was the last time we mentioned it, but we didn't... Yeah, we'd, we we had a lengthy discussion on here. It was uh, either the year in review or the actual... No, year it was in the, review, we year had a review. lengthy discussion. We yeah. recorded like three episodes in like 12 hours of heavy <laughs> drinking, so it's kind of fuzzy. But we did have a lengthy discussion about King Killer Chronicles, and yeah, I believe the... Who brought it up? Um, uh, I'm looking for it right now. Uh, is Evan Malone? Okay. Evan, yeah. yes, it was Evan. Yeah, he um, he, worked, he gets with us on Facebook a lot. Yeah. yeah. So Evan asked us about uh, how we f- how honest of a narrator we felt Quoth was, and I wanted to reply back to him, but at the time it was because of how things work. <laughs> I can see these things on Facebook, but when I'm on mobile, it'll only let me reply back as the full account for all like of the us. show yeah yeah as i was having show. the same problem and i i eventually just ran back to uh i eventually got home and like, i spent that entire day going it's fine just just get home get on your get on facebook on your computer and you'll post it yourself so you're not speaking yeah. collective that's what i wanted to do but then i forgot about it and then i was like oh crap and then i saw that you did it and i was like okay good because i don't want to speak for everyone on this but you you got you replied and i think i kind of go with your thoughts on it. I feel Quoth is a very honest narrator. I believe he embellishes everything a bit, even his negative side, because he's very judgmental of himself. I don't yeah. know if anyone else uh, ever got that from it, but I feel he's extremely judgmental, so he's taking any of the negatives on himself, and he is even embellishing that. Well, and and, and any time uh, in the book when he mentions uh, the character Denna, he, he is embellishing a bit because he has the he has uh, a certain bias towards it. Yeah, which, Jenna, uh, I feel that which those... the character past calls him out on. Yes, oh, yeah. I feel that all anything when Denna's comes up, especially in the we second can have a book, whole separate book club discussion about how much That's, I hate. I'm Denna. just laughing at how far in depth this this is going on the yeah. beer show. You know, that's this, it's because ever the three of us amazing. at least are just like. Okay, I started King Killer waiting for Game of Thrones, as we talked about, waiting for Winds of Winter, and now I'm like, no, I'm more into waiting for Doors of Stone than right. I am Winds of Winter. Like, Winds of Winter could wait ten more years to come out. I need Doors of Stone now. <laughs> but Brandy, I feel... do you have anything to add on this? <laughs> no, I just think it's funny. Um, I think we need to do, like, a, a uh, an episode where we just, we have, like, a few like kind of stronger beers and then it's just like a book club episode about the king killer chronicles like it just spoiler rich like no i think <laughs> like just oh, just man. go to town on it that that's its own beers and books no we man. put this forward because i want to start reading a lot of, like we've got um Jim we've, Cook's newest book. We've so uh, yeah, we could do a book corner about beer books for the there show. There are a lot of them. Uh, Jim Cook has several books. Uh, um, Sam Calgioni. Yeah, he has yep. several books. Yeah, same same person. Yeah, um, essentially. No. <laughs> I wouldn't right. be surprised if Sam could play saxophone or um, some trumpet Trump or whatever. It. Yeah. So yes, if you would like to hear us get really wasted and talk about King Killer Chronicles, let us know. <laughs> or any book, I guess. <laughs> or any book. <laughs> Or if you, if you hated this, it's my fault. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's all your fault. Okay, uh, I think well, let's move on into what we're drinking, considering we're babbling. Drink with me, friend. You always have to add that extra. Okay. 
Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll get to what, why. Yeah, um, so I haven't been drinking as much lately, because as we talked about before, uh, working on the baby thing. Um, <laughs> it's only when we're pretty confident there is no baby on board. Or for, I mean, yeah, what, as we talked about, like, once there's confirmation, there's not going to be any drinking for a while. Um, I'm going to buy a baby on board sign. Oh my gosh. And just, like, make a necklace out of it for Brittany. Just slap it to my stomach. Um, <laughs> there's probably a shirt. Anyway, uh, so this is the first full, like, an actual bottle of beer I've had in a while. Um, like, a couple months. Yeah. Otherwise, it's been she just smelled my beers. Yeah. She smelled a lot of great beers. This is true. Because <laughs> I've had some I don't know. great we beers. Did have New Year's. There was New Year's. Yeah, okay, aside yeah, from New, New Year's. Year's. But even then, if you think about it, none of us had a full bottle of anything. It was That's we true. split everything. No, no, you all didn't have a full bottle of anything. You and Bob were separate. Yeah, me, and, <laughs> me and Justin, <laughs> we set up. We were champions. <laughs> anyway, so. Um, I'm having the, uh, it, it, I think it just came out, the Stone um, Enjoy By, February 14th, 2017, which is the Valentine's Day, basically. Um, and it's all red, and it's, it, the, I just noticed that the bottle says flirtatiously fresh. Um, but it is fascinating because it's a chocolate and coffee IPA. Um, mm. Very pretty bottle, too, by the way. Uh, all this, like, red and whatnot. Um I thought it it was great. I thought it was amazing. Um, obviously, there's no rate beer score because it just came out. I think this is the first time I've done this. Um, the uh, the ABV is nine point four percent. Pretty heavy. Um, a little a little up there, yeah, but not not unreasonable. Um, Ninety IBUs. Um, and I have to say, the color is great. It's this like gorgeous, kind of golden amber. I would give it um, rose gold. Rose, That's the, okay, I would give it yeah. a rose gold when you see the color of it. But the sediment is insane. It is the particulate. It's very cloudy. The particulate mm-hmm. in that glass is insane. No, I wouldn't call it cloudy, but it's just like, full of stuff. <laughs> as soon as you dump it out, there are chunks of things floating around in it. Yeah, it's kind of unsettling at first. It's a little wild. Like I look, but... I haven't tried it yet, but I saw her glass. She's like, "Look at this," and this is like, "Whoa!" And the smell is very confusing because you do you smell the hops. But you also get um, that uh, uh, a fairly decent coffee scent, and, and which is like what? The particulate is where all the all the minerals and vitamins are. <laughs> Indeed, the vitamins. Um, and maybe the chocolate. Uh, I I don't know if it says. Cause I remember us having this conversation about like um, chocolate and beers, like cocoa powder versus cacao nibs. You know what I mean? Um, it doesn't not sure really how they made this one. Yeah, it doesn't have it on here. Cuz sometimes they give like the crazy full description of like <laughs> the whole process of the beer on the bottle. Um but I I the chocolate is there. It's not super intense, but neither is the coffee. It's it's a really weird balance of hops, um chocolate and coffee and it it it's very it's, it's like a very confusing beer, but it's tasty. Um I gave it a pretty high rating actually. Uh, it's kind of settled down a bit on, and you don't really, you get more hops as it kind of hangs out for a while. Um, but yeah, toward the end of it, there is still a lot of sediment. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but it's very good and I would highly recommend someone trying it. I'm sure, well, I haven't seen it, but I'm sure you can get it in like a create your own. But, um, I mean, it's only out for a very limited time. What is this? Like a few weeks, I think. 
So yeah, I would only, I would go ahead and just grab a six pack. And, you've only got I mean, a what couple are you gonna more do? weeks. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Uh, well, I have been drinking uh, the beer for breakfast stout mm. from Dogfish Head. Oh yeah, that mm. one is just phenomenal. Oh yeah, no, it's from from Dogfish Head. It's a stout. Uh, Coming in at 7.4 ABV, so not super heavy, 39 IBUs, has a rate beer score of, uh, let's see, I think it was 97 overall and 99 for the style. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. I was, I was, that's surprising. I never looked it up, but when I had it, I mean, I felt there were characteristics that would put a lot of people off. Because oh, no, it's... I could... I couldn't see anyone not enjoying this. Go ahead and lay out what the uh, the niche is for this beer. Because it's brewed with a particular product that the Midwest is familiar with, but not the entire country. Uh-huh. More the East Coast <laughs> more than anything else. Yeah. Well, or... this, this deliciously uh, chocolate and coffee flavored uh, beer, as it says in the bottle, a stout tricked out with all sorts of breakfast ingredients... Huge notes of coffee that give the nose away a sweet and smoky flavor. Uh, ale brewed with scrapple, <laughs> spices, yeah. coffee, maple syrup with coffee added. That's right. It's a beer brewed with pork. <laughs> yeah. And it is delicious. Yeah, it is. And when you take a swig, you there is a pork quality to there the is. beer. I've been, I've, I've, I spent a while before I looked at the bottle trying to figure out, like, what is this, this weird little note i'm catching like it, it but yeah oh my god but it's it, good it's so good no no i didn't mean like it, it was like an off flavor good. it was like there was something different about it and i couldn't quite put my finger on it until i started finally reading the bottle and i was like oh yeah it's okay it's their winter seasonal and it is not on the brew schedule for next year so gobble it up now because it's at least going to be a year or more before you can find it again. That's so strange. Uh, quint- uh, yeah, I'm reading the thing on, on Rate Beer, and it says, like, the quintessential Delaware breakfast touch, 25 pounds of Rapa Scapple was added to the mash. <laughs> Good lord. I mean, the mash had to be big, so 25 pounds sounds about right, but still. Oh, it makes me hungry. <laughs> I mean, just thinking about the beer, I'm like, I could go for some Scrapple, because Scrapple's pretty much ghetto. Yeah. And yeah. being in the Cincinnati area, if you're from around here, I know a few of you are, ghetto is just kind of like the lifeblood of Cincinnati. Indeed. <laughs> yeah, no, this has this has some, some great sweetness, a lot of a lot of really good coffee flavor on it. Like, not not over overdoing the sweetness, but it, like you can tell there's a, there's a hint of it there, but you get some nice coffee notes in there as well. Plus, again, Scrapple. Yeah. How would you describe, like, the the pork quality that comes to it? Like, how would you... Because, no, I, I could definitely pinpoint it. Like, when you when you drink that beer knowing, okay, there is pig in this beer that went into this beer. like Such an odd way to put it. But, no, I got, like, a pork chop kind of smokiness to it. Yeah. yeah, that sounds pretty close. I... I... Like I spent a while trying to figure out what it was, and then by the time I finally figured it out, I was finished with it. So I couldn't like compare to get a second second flavor. But mm. maybe we need to go in on a, a on a six pack together at that uh, one. So yeah. we've got some to stash away. Yeah, this is 
This is really good. If you have the means, I highly recommend it. <laughs> if you have the means. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I just always go to Ferris Bueller when I start talking about. Oh, I'm interested in what Casey's drinking now that I look down the dock. Mm. <laughs> yeah, right. All right, Chris, what are you drinking? Wait, we All have right. to. We have to introduce this. Oh yeah, yeah. Start. You want a jam? <laughs> your starting lineup for your have a drink what are you drinking whatever <laughs> so if you've been following me on untapped every time i've checked into this it's been with a new lyric from space jam because <laughs> i am drinking bell's hop slam ale because it just came out this past week hence the come on and slam <laughs> come on and slam if you want a jam I think my latest one was, hey, you, what you gonna do? Hey, you, what you gonna do? Jesus. Uh, no, uh, I'm drinking Bell's Hop Slam. It's a double IPA, 10% ABV, 70 IBUs, getting up there kind of high. Rate beer score, 100 for the style, and 100 overall. Yeah, we all know your reasoning, Casey. <laughs> The world is familiar now. There's a reason it, it you will really never is. work it for Bells. Casey, Casey is, is, is Bellsist. <laughs> He's Bellsist. Uh, I'm Bellsist in another way. I gotta say, I love it this year. Uh, we had it last year at the Winter Beer Fest. Chris is joining the Church of Latter-day Bells. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that is the best way to put it. Um, I am loving this year. It's a little bit less on the sweetness than last year, but it is also lacking a little on the body. That is not distracting from the overall enjoyment of the beer. It is still extremely hoppy. It's kind of it's not up in your face hoppy, but if you like IPAs, I mean, it's a you've already bought it. I mean, who are we kidding here? I bought a couple packs and I've been through two cans of it sitting here. I mean, just to let you know, my my backup beer after I finished off my other one was was Bell's Kalamazoo Stout. Yeah, it's. I, so I, like, didn't have I, a, I get you with the Bell's love. Uh, but I yeah, need to get to the Hop Slam though. Bell's Hop Slam. I just want to read this. The commercial description, starting with six different hop varietals, added to the brew kettle and culminating with a massive dry hop edition of Simcoe hops. Bell's Hop Slam Ale possesses the most complex hopping schedule in the Bell's repertoire. Selected specifically because of their aromatic qualities, these Pacific Northwest varieties contribute a pungent blend of grapefruit, stone fruit, and floral notes. A generous malt bill, lacking this year I feel, and a solid dollop of honey provide just enough body to keep the balance in check, resulting in a remarkably drinkable rendition of the double india pale ale style yeah it's good i don't need to tell you you've already bought it you've already drank it uh best enjoyed as fresh as possible well i went with the spirit of the show and not with what we've been doing and had a drink with that wasn't beer my first bourbon i have to say and one of my favorites one of my (laughs) spoiler and one of my go-to's uh, it is. It is a definitely a go-to for me. Um, Old Forester bourbon, the 86-proof version. I'm having it neat today. So uh, I just, you know, long day at work. Even on a Saturday, we were we were working today. So I uh, 
wanted to come home and relax and didn't want to take the time to grab much more than just a glass. And so I uh, poured a glass of neat bourbon and it has treated me well so far tonight. Sure. Let's see. Old Forester, I feel, because it's it's the original. It's the oldest bourbon, right? Well, it was the first bottled bourbon. I'm sure there were others that came in and, and you could buy by the uh by the jug or whatever but this was the first like bottled commercially uh sealed and transported bourbon yeah it's got a lot of history behind it and i find it it's great to do neat and it's mm-hmm. also affordable enough to do as a mixer mm-hmm. like i yep. can completely see it's a good versatile bourbon to have on your shelf and I think if you're going to do a, a bourbon neat, it should be a lower proof version. Well, I mean, you could do a very high proof, and I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. But I like my bourbons to be a little bit lower proof if I'm doing them neat, and that way I can just enjoy them as is. Um, if it's a high proof, uh, I had a, a bourbon earlier this week called Pikesville uh, bourbon. Uh, it was it was really good, but it was also 110 proof. So, uh, oh, <laughs> yeah, it was it was up there. So I had uh, two rocks in it just to kind of calm it down a little bit. Fair enough. All right. That sounds awesome. <laughs> good stuff. Oh, yeah. We, we uh, so I've, I've been recently starting to get more into the tea world. And I'm thinking that may be some of the uh, have a drink drinks at the end. I may start moving into some teas. Oh, that may be me as well soon. <laughs> uh-huh. We can have our own have a tea. Yeah. Pop tea. Hey. Indeed. That's exactly right. I have been drinking a lot over <laughs> here, and it's a lot of canned beer. Give me a break. No, give, Kate... little, give, give the walker her rumph. Her <laughs> rumph. Yeah, no, Casey and I need what to talk after this about the tea thing. I've, I've, I've added like a, t- a million things to my Amazon wish list. Tea related. Uh Heads up, though, if, uh, I, it, you know, it's kind of a bland uh, drink that I'm having today. I mean, not bland, but, you know, just kind of a, oh, there it is. Straightforward, yeah. Uh, if you wanted to mix a drink on Old Forester's website, they do have a cocktail called Kentucky Pina, Kentucky's Pina Colada. <laughs> ounce and a half of Old Forester, ounce and a half of pineapple juice, half, uh, 0.75 ounces of coconut liqueur. And 0.75 ounces of heavy whipping cream. Mix that up in a shaker and then over ice with a dash, dash of Angostura bitters on top. No. <laughs> no. It sounds like it could be tasty, but I can't... It could I, be, but I really don't like pina coladas. I don't like pineapple juice. Oh. I don't either. Well, oh. I love pineapples, but the thing with pina coladas is always, always, always feels like I'm just drinking suntan lotion. Yeah. And, and you know, I hate getting caught in the rain. Indeed. <laughs> so let's. Uh, I think it's time to wrap this episode up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, uh, just be sure to subscribe and uh, get some great resources. Also at haveadrinkshow.com. Uh, you can also follow us at haveadrinkshow on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Then please, as we mentioned above um, in the beginning of the show. Rate uh, the show on iTunes. It'll help spread the word, and you could even be entered for a sweet grab bag. Yes, the time is running out on that grab bag. So, guys, go enter. <laughs> All right. And uh, tell us your favorite drink, ask a question, or just leave some general feedback uh, and use the address feedback at haveadrinkshow.com. You can also use the feedback page on the website. Yeah, and all joking and fun aside, guys, we'd like to remind everyone to please drink responsibly. 
too many services out there. Don't drink and drive and know your limits. Yes. Okay, so um, I guess we have to change the ending of this soon. But (laughs) check us out in another couple of weeks for the audio episode, I guess. (laughs) Um, So uh, once again, I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. I'm Christopher Walker. And I'm Casey Price. See you next time. (laughs) Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.